This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Without artists, without creativity, there's no vision. Artists are the people who show us things so that we can believe them. We need you showing us our way out. This is Finding the Throughline, the show that gives you inside access to honest conversations about the creative process. I'm Kate Hanley. Welcome back to Finding the Throughline, conversations about the creative process, where today's guest is screenwriter and author and personal friend of mine, Lee Madeiras. As a refresher, Lee has written several award-winning screenplays, and she's the author of the fabulous book, The One Minute Writer. Today, I'm talking with Lee about what I call inner stuff, the thoughts, ideas, and attitudes that affect your work, even if you're not fully conscious of it. So, Lee, I'm curious, what parts of either creating your work or sharing your work with the world really come naturally to you or are exciting to you? Great question. What parts of creating the work come easily to me? All of the stuff that happens before you get on the page comes easily. Mm. I have these really funny stories from my childhood of not just daydreaming. My daydreams were so real that there would be physical repercussions. Like I would be acting things out, like I would be responding to the things I was seeing in my head. So I can really, I don't know, maybe psychologists would call that dissociation or something. I could really slip into other spaces very easily. So when I start thinking about a story idea or a concept, it's like that's I'm often running and I'm in that whatever that invisible world is that we tap into, that stream that's running by that we dip into. So that's easy. I also love, love and find easy research. So mm-hmm. I love to find things to support what I'm thinking about. For me, because I'm working in screenwriting, that's usually what the character does for a living or their perspective, or maybe they have some weird behavioral tick or something and I want to know more about Mm -hmm. it. So those things are really come really easily for me. As far as sharing creativity, I think from the outside, people would say it looks like I share very easily and uninhibitedly. Like I think that people might say that about me. I used to run a program as you know, called 48 Days of Creative Devotion, and then another one called Beyond 48. It was these online creativity programs. And people had to create one work a day for 48 days. And the rules were they had to share it to our private forum without apology, justification, or complaint. It's extremely difficult for most creatives to not want to say, ah, this isn't my best, or I'm not, I'm not quite finished, or did it, you know, so it was painful for people to just post and let it sit. Mm. And then what happened is everybody looked at it and had a response that had absolutely nothing to do with whatever the person, the creator's insecurities were. And Mm. so, you know, years of running that program taught me just 
share your work. Don't belabor the parts that you are feeling less than about. And so it's not necessarily easy all the time, especially the more special something is to you, the harder that can be. But it is a practice. Sharing our creative work is its own practice, and you can practice it. I love that. Are there parts of creating or sharing your work that, and this is the term that I've been using, give you the heebie-jeebies, like just ugh, just really makes you want to shiver and not do it and go back to bed? Oh, gosh. I think I'm a person who, I'm not very disciplined, and so I stop and start a lot with my creative work. I get sidetracked with another project or with paid work or whatever's going on. And so I'm constantly having to restart this flow. And once the beginning stuff wears off, when I say the beginning, the excitement of, hey, I have this idea and I'm getting into it. Once it becomes quote unquote work, that's when I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be doing this at all. I don't want to execute this. Like That's like heebie-jeebie for me. And it's, it must have something to do with dopamine or brain chemicals, right? It's like that fun new stuff has worn away. And now what I'm left with is the blank page and myself and what I know needs to be done, which is heavy lifting. It's the heavy lifting stuff. And so that is heebie-jeebies for me. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So what kinds of things does your inner critic love to tell you? I'm curious. It loves to tell me so many things. <laughs> okay, so I had, I'm going to tell a story about a recent experience. I'm working with the screenwriting coach and what we do together is we have four meetings. The first one is breaking the story, a concept work, getting to outline. The second is the first up to 20 pages, and then it's 20 to 40 pages, then it's final draft. And so it's over the course of months, I have a person who's helping me with accountability, working through story ideas with me, kind of holding space for this to be born. And I had a deadline for my 40 pages. So I had already done the outline, here I'd done the first 20 pages. So I procrastinated, but I felt like I was procrastinating productively by researching, by brainstorming, by re-outlining, by tweaking. I convinced mm-hmm. myself I was working. And long story short, I got to the day that I, it was due and woke up that morning and thought, well, I have a lot to do, like almost all of it, <laughs> like almost all of these <laughs> next 20 pages, but I could do it. I, when I was younger, I used to stay up all night. I, I could do this. 
And so I worked and worked. And one of the things I forgot is when you, so I had revised the earlier pages, which meant they shortened up. Because when you do your revisions and things tighten up, they get much shorter. So the more I wrote, it felt like the shorter it was, you know, the more I worked, it was like, it was shrinking. And then it finally tipped over the edge where I was adding to the work, but I didn't make the deadline. So all of which is to say, I had spent that day going in the background. There was just constant chatter. You're not good enough. You don't know what you're doing. This is so embarrassing. Why would you think that you could do this anyway? Just constant, just this stream. And because I have been in the arts for, it's just keep working, just keep working. But it is, it's loud, you know, it's going. And then when I didn't make the deadline, then I allowed that tsunami to crash over me. And it was like, oh no, they're right. You do not know what you're doing. You should not be doing. Why would you think you could do a TV pilot? It's one of the hardest things. I mean, it is really one of the hardest things I've ever done as a writer is a TV pilot. It's you're holding so much space for so many things to happen. And so I went to bed at three in the morning going, oh, and I had, I sent an email to my coach said, thank you for everything you've done for me so far. The script has gotten the better of me. I'm canceling our meetings. I'm done with this project. I'm done. Like it is not meant to be. So that was that. I go to bed, I get three hours sleep. I wake up feeling like I've run an absolute marathon, which I have. And I will say to writers, mm-hmm. like, culture may not recognize that we are running marathons because this is a a process that happens alone in your office or your bedroom or wherever. But writing is a marathon. So I woke up feeling wrecked and I'm laying there going, oh God, you know, just I'm horrible. I'm a terrible, bad person. And then I had this thought and I went, oh shoot. Oh no. Oh no. What if she tells me to send what I have? Oh no. I better read this to see how embarrassed I should be. I better just look. I'm going to be mortified. So I'm going through it and I'm reading And I'm not intending to revise. I'm just reading this to go, is this acceptable enough to send without me feeling like I want to melt into the floor? And I get to this scene, which is this catalytic scene of the script. And my character is having a moment with this person in power. And the entire premise of the script focuses on this moment where she is meant to, he's meant to give her the go ahead for something. And I'm reading it and I'm going, and I'm so broken down emotionally from what has just occurred with my own creative work. I'm feeling so exhausted, so wrecked, and so angry and tired that without realizing it, I'm so tapped into exactly how she's feeling. And now it's like I have this weird merging of her and myself, and I'm going, fuck this guy. I don't need his fucking permission. No, like I'm her, right? I'm in my brain reading this going, no, fuck him. Why am I waiting for his permission? I'm going rogue. This team is going rogue. And in a flash, it was like, that's what the story wanted to be. That's it. Everything in my brain was like, chick, 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 fell right. And it was like, damn it. Damn it. Now I got to keep working. First of all, I was like, damn it. Now I got to keep working on this because I finally figured it out. <laughs> then I was also mad because I constantly tell myself, you don't have to suffer for XYZ to happen. You don't have to suffer to heal. You don't have to suffer to write. Yeah. I'm anti suffering, but I suffered. <laughs> But really what it was is I spend so much time in my brain thinking, 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 plot points, setups, payoffs, structure, that I had to get into the emotion. I had to get into my heart, my feelings. And then it was like, oh, everything unlocked for me. So anyway, that's a long story to say that I struggle. Like I've been in the arts and doing stuff for 30, 40 years and I still have this feeling of like, I don't know what I'm doing and da-da-da. 
And the funny part, not the funny part, but just as a sort of PS to this, when I, I she wrote back and said, send me what you have. I'm not going to let you <laughs> jump out of this. I did. And we got on the call and she said, if I'm a producer, I'd hire you right now. Like I'd staff you on my show. And it was like mind blowing to me because I had spent so much time going, what in the hell? Like, you know, so one of the things I will say, which I think is probably maybe one of the best pieces of, of advice I could give people is you have to be strong enough not to believe the things that you tell about yourself. You have to be strong enough to reject that negative self-talk. Sometimes they're not going to be, but if you get to a certain point where you just know that that's part of the drill, you know it's going to come up. You don't even necessarily need to make it go away. You just have to ignore it and acknowledge it. Yep, I hear you. I hear all the ways in which I'm terrible. Heard it. And keep going. Like, just keep going. It reminds me of, what is it, the myth that you have to lash yourself to the mast as you sail past the Scylla and Charybdis? Yes. Kind of thing. Great analogy. Yes. <laughs> and, I mean, I love that story. And thank you for sharing that story because I think when a work is really connected, we think it must have come easily in some way. And I'm sorry that you did have to suffer for that story. I mean, for the the enlightenment that came as a result of that story. But I also am just so thankful for you to share it because it can get really nasty. You know, it can really be kind of brutal. And I don't want to say that you have to, again, I'm anti-suffering as well. But I like to think that, you know, the inner critic just has good intentions and really bad tools, like horrible tools, <laughs> you know, like it did get you to that point where you could be connected emotionally, where you had the insight and certainly not every interaction with the inner critic do we want to go to that extreme. But I think a lot of times when it's really kicking up in a major way, that is such a good indication that you are onto something really good. Wow, I love that perspective, that the louder that voice gets, the closer you might be getting to something. Love that. <laughs> something to ponder. I'm curious. I've been asking people this, and this is just so fascinating to me to hear their answers. Is there either something that you were taught specifically when you were growing up or something that is kind of out in the collective unconscious that you just feel like is a total crock of shit and you've like found your way to see past or rewrite in some way. A lot of times these things are, you know, they're right in front of us and we don't even realize that they're kind of coming from an external source and they're not something that we believe. So that's why I love to ask this question to help us, everybody see what might be hiding, right? But it's just so close. It's like the end of our nose. We can't even see it, but it's there. Growing up as an American, I think there is a constant, subtle, and sometimes not so subtle message that the arts are not important, that they are a hobby. They will be the first thing to be cut in the school budget. They are incidental. Grades don't matter when it comes. Oh, it's just art. So when you live in a culture that constantly devalues what you do, you will believe that and that will feed into your inner critic. But the worst part about that is 
artists have no idea what their power is and how important they are to me right now at this point, at this inflection point in history with everything that's going on. I mean, all sorts of things going on, but because my focus is climate, I mean, the clock is ticking and it's just before midnight. And to me, it's like artists get in your power, do everything you can to reject the idea that your vision, that your skill, your innate creativity is not important to reject that idea. Do what you can do to be here and not just be part of the culture. You are the leaders. Without artists, without creativity, there's no vision. Artists are the people who show us things so that we can believe them. We need you showing us our way out. Nothing is going to be created. I was recently, so because I do the cacao ceremonies, I was recently listening to Jonas Ketterly, who is the, I drink, again, this could be a sponsor, Kate. So I drink Aura Cacao, which is a really ethical, awesome cacao company that I really appreciate. They have a climate-focused factor for their farmers. They do a fund for them, among other things. And he was talking about the fact that people of the past created the world that we're living in now. They visioned it. They built it. We're in it. Artists, we have to now start to think about the subsequent generations and what they're going to be. We have to vision that for them. We have to tear ourselves away from the doom and gloom, as hard as that is. I mean, it is hard. And think, what would it look like if we solved the climate crisis? What does that world look like if we solved racism, xenophobia, all of these societal ills? It's utopian t- for some people to think and talk about that. Don't think and talk about it with other people. Do the work to vision that and try to bring it into your own creative practice, however that looks. If all of us are doing that, it will percolate. We're all connected. We're all part of one collective energy. And the more of us that are visioning a new future, a healthier future, a just future, I mean, we're going to bring us over the tipping point. So that would be my big message is reject the idea that what you do is not important. Oh my goodness. I've got like full body chills and there's like a tear coming down. <laughs> An energetic tear. It no, is moving. seriously, thank you. We need the, I mean, it is. And I think we need those pep talks because the inner critic is so loud and we have to remember it's not really about us. It's not about our ego. That inner critic was fed to us in some ways. I think we own it. It's like, this is part of me that's talking to me. It's an outside voice in so many ways. And it could be your parents. It could be your old school teacher. You know, one of the things that gets me furious is so many people stop creating when they're 12, 13, 14 years middle school. Part of it is the way that the educational system in America is set up. But I have heard horror stories of arts teachers I used to be an art teacher. I was a middle school art teacher. And on day one, I would say to everybody, you have an A. Everybody's getting an A. If you really, really screw up, like if you turn in nothing, you're going to end up with a C plus. The idea that I'm going to in any way, shape or form discourage you 
from being creative. And I want to make a distinction that artistry and creativity are two totally different things. So if you're listening to this and you're not a visual or artist or creator, creativity is in everybody. It is literally the foundation of life. Every single human is creative. Artistry is different. That's a different ball of wax. So I just want to make that distinction. If you're listening and you don't feel that this relates to you, it absolutely relates to you. But just to ignore that inner critic that probably came from outside and you've taken it on as your own, like it's some aspect of you that is meant to be believed. Forget it. Forget it. Amen. Amen, sis. All right. That concludes our juicy, juicy section of questions on inner stuff with the fabulous Lee Madeiras. We have the third part of this interview is coming out on Friday. I really hope you will come back for that because I'm going to be asking Lee what's coming up for her, where she thinks she might be headed, as well as her answers to our fast five questions where I'm going to drill down on this cacao drink. Finding the Throughline airs one interview per week, broken up into three episodes that come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for free. Skip the ads and get each interview in one longer episode by becoming a paid subscriber at katehanley.substack.com. Even if you aren't ready to get out your wallet just yet, become a free subscriber at katehanley.substack.com and receive the full show notes with links to everything my guests and I cover. However you listen, thank you. Finding the Throughline is edited by Sound Advice Strategies. Connect with me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. Here's a little preview of what's to come in part three of this interview. So the cacao I buy, the ones that I buy are discs that are meltable discs of processed cacao. And I warm up a pan, turn it off, put the cacao in the little bit of medium hot water, whisk it, pour it into, I have a couple of mugs that I keep specifically for, they're kind of, you know, just for this. They're handmade by a friend from art school who is a ceramic artist. And so it's nice. I get to sort of think of him when I drink out of these. And that's it. I'm Kate Hanley, and this is Finding the Through Line. More to come on Friday.